From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, February 2nd. Utah's bigger cities have more money for addressing homelessness. It came from the legislature last year and can be spent on outreach and services for unhoused people or on cops. But as Eric Peterson of the Utah Investigative Journalism Project found, almost all of it went to funding police officers. We speak to Peterson about why. Eric, thank you so much for being here with us. So you reported that the Utah legislature more than doubled the money in its homeless shelter cities mitigation fund. And cities that receive this, you know, $10 million funding, you know, from Logan to St. George, Cedar City, Salt Lake, you know, those cities spent most of that money on police. So can you first tell us about the creation of this fund? So there had been this fund set up, the Homeless Shelter Cities Mitigation Account. It's been around for a few years, but it was last year that the legislature really upped that. They added a lot more funding to it. I think it's about a little over $10 million. And cities had initially asked the legislature for help because they were saying, you know, we are spending so much of our resources on you know, addressing homelessness issues with police and paramedics, fire, responding to people having medical emergencies that they, the legislature created this account. You know, what's interesting with the account is that it says that you, know, you, you cities that apply for this grant, you can spend it on public safety or on social services and outreach efforts and things like that, that more directly address root causes. And so, you know, most cities chose to spend it on law enforcement. And obviously there's some people, advocates who feel like, you know, that's kind of shows a lack of creativity in thinking about this fund and, you know, better addressing the problem and then just throwing more police at it. Some advocates do say, you know, like the fact that this fund is here showing that we failed in kind of addressing homelessness and, you know, properly funding housing, you know, services and things like that that can really help people who are on the streets. So you did find some cities using some of this money on social services, including housing-related services. Can you can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the interesting thing, too, is that, you know, most cities spent the funds on public safety and law enforcement. That was not the case everywhere. Some cities are doing some interesting things. Richfield and Logan, you know, they both use the funding for, like, helping expand shelter space for domestic violence victims. And Cedar City did some interesting stuff, too. I mean, set aside some money for rental deposits, you know, um, emergency hotel stays. I'm trying to, like, give people options when they, you know, lose housing, deposits to help them secure housing. Cedar City also did some unique stuff in terms of funding an employee for the Iron County Shelter who would kind of do double duty as both security and work with the homeless clients. The Cedar City Police Chief, Darren Adams, his view was, you know, we could could have hired a police officer and had them there for security, but it would be harder for them to build the same rapport with the client. So why not hire somebody that can do security and work with them and, and be in a better position to do that, that kind of outreach? Even with those examples of social service oriented solutions, you know, you found that those make up just 5% of the total amount of money set aside in this fund to address homelessness in Utah's larger cities, you know, the rest was to police. Yeah, about 5% of the total, yeah, went 
uh, specifically to these kinds of social services. So yeah, about 91% of the funds that were spent went to law enforcement. So really small slice of the pie direct to social services. So why do you think these cities have used this money on police? Is it easier just to put that line item into public safety? Yeah, I think that there's something to be said about that. Um, you know, Bill Tibbetts, who's an advocate with the Crossroads Urban Center, he kind of spoke to that point you bring up uh, in the story, talking about how a lot of the smaller cities who are, you know, maybe the homeless problem, it's a lot newer of a problem for them to deal with. Historically, they've not had a lot of shelter space and, you know, resource centers before. Uh, but what they have had, you know, what every city has is a police department, a fire department. So, in some of these places, it just made a lot more sense for them to take this funding and, you know, plug it into their public safety budget because that's easy enough to do instead of trying to build up a whole new thing from scratch. I think at the same time, people like Tibbetts and other advocates would say that is the easy way. It's not necessarily the best way you know, to address this issue. You reported that police, for example, in Salt Lake City, where a lot of this money went, don't necessarily have training specific to the unhoused population. Yeah, and from what I understand, there's not even really a specific training for homelessness. At least that's what's been kind of explained to me by Andrew Johnston, who does the homeless outreach services in Salt Lake City for the Salt Lake City Mayor's Office. You know, they do have crisis intervention training, and that's more geared towards giving officers better tools to, like, de-escalate situations with people who might be having, like, a mental health crisis. But, but yeah, there's not really specific tools, I think, for homelessness. Is it not surprising to you, then, that a lot of these cities chose to spend this money on police over social services? Yeah, I don't think it's very surprising, uh, you know. Again, I think it makes sense. Depending on how you look at it, you know, if you're more cynical, you could look at it and say, well, it's more politically popular to like spend this money on police. It is curious, though, like a lot of these cities, you know, it's like city hiring 12 new police officers and using it from a state grant. I mean, that does kind of put the city in a position where if something happens to that grant funding or it decreases or whatever, suddenly all, all of Salt Lake City taxpayers have to either fund these guys or let them go. Um, so that aspect of it, I think, can put cities in a tough spot. And then they got to make some decisions, you know, that are going to impact taxpayers. Eric Peterson from the Utah Investigative Journalism Project. Peterson has been doing a lot of reporting around housing and evictions lately. You can find stories at utahinvestigative.org. A coalition of community members in our region is working with doctors from the Indian Health Service to provide medical support for the unhoused. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Chris Clemens in southwest Colorado has more. Every Tuesday in Cortez, a street medicine group meets at St. Barnabas's Church. They head up and down the streets of Cortez, traveling behind retail stores and scouring public parks in search of the unhoused. The goal is to provide those they encounter with medical care, clothing, and some reassurance that they are not alone. Lucia Bueno Valdez is the homeless services specialist at the Pinion Project, one of the groups involved in the coalition. I have seen everything from them doing like realigning broken arms, broken legs, checking up on people, um, t- calling the ambulance and having people checked into the hospital, like more than just an emergency room stay, taking clients themselves to Shiprock. Bueno Valdez added that the street medicine group also distributes sleeping bags and clothes to the unhoused people they come across. I'm Chris Clements. 
January was National Radon Action Month, and health officials in the Rocky Mountain region are urging people to get their homes tested for the gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. The Environmental Protection Agency says Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming have levels of indoor radon that are far above acceptable. According to the EPA, one-third of homes in Utah have elevated levels of the odorless, colorless gas. Although naturally occurring in soil, radon can seep into buildings, causing significant health risks for people who have long-term exposure. Approximately 500 people a year die in neighboring Colorado from radon-related lung cancer. One non-smoker who got a lung cancer diagnosis is Sally Madden. The surgeon said, we're going to take that thing out. He had done some you know, images and said, you've got a, a live cancer. Just over a decade ago, Madden's left lung was removed. The Boulder resident then had her home tested, and it showed she'd been living with radon that was four times the level the EPA deemed safe. She decided to work on a campaign to raise awareness about the need for radon testing and mitigation. It's a really critical step because it's just one of those things that, you know, a consumer, a homeowner has no clue what's in your soil. Madden worked with local realtors and testified before the Colorado State Legislature, calling for mandatory testing in new and older homes. A statewide law has yet to pass there. However, some action is happening at a more local level in our region. Many health departments offer low-cost radon testing. Lauren Errico, a spokesperson with the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, says testing can be done anytime, but winter is best. To get the most accurate result, you really want to try as much as possible to have windows and doors closed to the outside so you get that accurate level. And as we know right now, it's much easier to do than maybe when it's really warm. As for Sally Madden, a decade after her surgery, she has recovered well. While she is on oxygen every night, she says her overall lung function is good. Only thing I can't do is I can't go to the top of Pikes Peak, you know, (laughs) that's a 14,000 feet doesn't sit really well with me. You can find more about radon testing and mitigation at deq.utah.gov. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, February 2nd. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.